once forged in the fires of PR and journalism, Curtis Dewar and Corey Westbrook united to create C-Squared. Now on our podcast, we interview musicians and other industry professionals to give you an inside look on how to take your music to the next level. Hello, everyone. You are listening to the C-Squared podcast with Corey and Curtis, hosted by Ghost Cult Magazine. We are here today with Russ from Rocksteady Law. And if you can't tell by my super awesome background, because you're listening to this on Spotify, he is a lawyer and he is going to be giving us probably some of the most important advice that we have had to date, because this is one of the most overlooked areas. Bands tend to not really think about the legal aspects of things when they are, you know, going over contracts or deals or things like that. And they can get themselves into some very uncomfortable situations. I've seen it happen. Um, And so first, I do just want to say thank you, Russ, for joining us today, being willing to talk to us and give us some some guidance and the listeners some guidance. Well, I appreciate uh, the offer to come in and talk with you guys this morning. And I just want to give a happy shower day a shout out to all the NoFX fans out there. <laughs> all the NoFX fans. That's fantastic. Um, and then so uh, for people who aren't familiar with you, because I, I, like I said, law is often an overlooked area in this industry, especially for new bands. Why don't you just give uh, our listeners a brief overview of who you are and what you do? Well, I've been practicing law for about 18 years originally back in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and Chicago, Illinois, doing commercial litigation and other uh, contract work. Mm -hmm. And uh, after a while, I got tired of living out in the Midwest, so I moved back to Washington, where I grew up, and I set up my own shop here in Olympia. Northwest, represent. I'm in Oregon. Oh, perfect. Well, I'm in Olympia. Nice. So, uh, yeah. So, when I was coming back here to set up my own business, I tried to decide what did I want to do. And most of my circle of friends are in the creative arts or other associated type of fields. And I figured I'd uh, try and craft a practice that uh, met their needs. So for both uh, general business purposes, contracts, things like that, as well as uh, estate planning for people, because I think that's one of the more overlooked uh aspects is just basic estate planning especially if you have families and Mm -hmm. your musicians just to give a little bit of extra uh background or a little bit of backup support for them in case something goes wrong so russ just as a quick follow-up here so well not really a follow-up on on to the next part actually not a follow-up um can you kind of say why it's important for bands and actually just people in general to know some basic legal things to watch out for like why would that be important because if you don't know the basics uh, a good chance you're going to get taken advantage of because the people you're dealing with actually know more than the basics yeah Mm -hmm. so if you don't at least know the basics you don't know the what to even look for is a red flag when you're dealing with uh third parties so what would be okay now Without getting too complicated, obviously, I'm not, a, I'm not a lawyer or anything like that. Most of our listeners aren't. What would be some very basic things that people should know legally before, when they're starting a band or getting in the entertainment industry, in your opinion? Anytime somebody offers you a contract, 
go talk to a lawyer. You know, at the minimum, it's just going to be a basic consultation with them for a reasonable flat fee, where they'll have hopefully reviewed the contract that you've received so that they can talk with you knowledgeably at a consultation about what they see is either good about it, bad about it, or if there are just uh, aspects missing that need to be added. Okay. Do, can you kind of say like a little bit more like on that? Like what should be like, what more should they need to know on that? Because that, that's a lot that you just said in a little statement. Okay. Well, I, I guess uh, in some respects you need to know what your duties are to the other party under a contract that's been offered to you. And with the way most of these contracts are written, they're not written in a plain language that no. the average person will be able to understand. Exactly. So you might be signing something away that you really don't want to without even realizing it. Or uh, let's say now uh, we live in a 360 contract world, yep. even with uh, smaller independent labels where the record label is going to get a percentage of every single thing that you do as an artist, whether it's merchandise sales, whether it's uh, sponsorship deals, not just the regular uh, royalties and commissions they get for actually uh, marketing and selling the product. Mm -hmm. It used to be back in the days, you know, the old saying was, uh, always buy the merchandise at the sales because for the most part, that's how the bands were able to uh, make money on a tour. Mm -hmm. And now, especially with even some of the larger independents, that's not even true because they have to split the merchandise sales now with the record labels because the industry has gotten so, its belt has tightened so much over the last 20 years with downloading that now the labels are looking for any way to make a buck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think like one of the most important things that people should know is that they don't know and that they need to ask somebody. Um, so other than when they're handed a contract or any kind of a deal, and it doesn't necessarily have to be with a label, it mm -hmm. could be a manager, it could be a, you know, if, if a PR is handing, handing you something that's super complicated, maybe you don't want to work with that PR, but um, I'm just, I'm just saying there's a lot of people that will probably handle, hand you contracts, but other than contracts, what are some other times that bands should seek out legal advice? Anytime it looks like the band itself is about to take the next step up mm -hmm. from just being a local type of scene band up to maybe something a little more uh, regional or national, or they are offered an opportunity to take that next step, of, you know, like a better uh, contract at a major label or something like that. Well, at that point, the band is not just a bunch of uh, individuals. They're basically a working partnership. Mm -hmm that has obligations to each other. And one of the biggest things that you see, like, I hate to quote it, but like on, uh, 
a lot of the music gossip sites out there is the fighting that goes on between uh, members of the band, especially yep. if someone passes away or they kick somebody out. And then you'll realize that there's no underlying band agreement that governs any of the working uh, aspects of the group. So what duties do the remaining members of the band have to the former member? What do they owe the former member? Is a former member, do they have any ownership rights in the brand, in the name, in the logos? Mm -hmm. Can they prevent the remaining members of the band from using them? This is you a know? lot. Wow. Yeah. There, there is a lot of overlooked things. And these are all things that I've seen bands that I know struggling with, especially with the not having an agreement between members yep. in writing of mm -hmm. uh, this is how it breaks down. Because I mean, we all hope that we'll be friends forever. Yep. But unfortunately, drama happens mm -hmm. and it yep. happens a lot. Yep. Um, so having that kind of, I know it's, it, it feels dirty like a prenup does, you know, where it's, you're planning for the end, yeah. but really it is important to do, especially if you're growing or getting bigger to have those parameters in place of this is what happens. Yeah. Just as like a good old Pacific Northwest example here, uh, Queensryche mm -hmm. and the litigation that went on between uh, the singer and the remaining members of the band when they kicked him out. Yeah. You know, yep. and they were in litigation for like three or four years. Yep. And imagine the court costs and legal fees and everything that went on because they were in court all the time yep. during that process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which makes me think that they might not have had the secure agreements in place that they should have. Yep. You know, and they've been around since what? 82, 83, or yep. something like that. Yep. So it makes you wonder what, if anything, they had uh, already in, as a written agreement between the members. And it mm -hmm. probably close to bankrupting too, them too, I would think, because that, that's long. Um, so Russ, just one, one more thing on that. So how much would it, does it cost to do these types of things with a lawyer? Like, I mean, that's one common consideration is the fact if you talk to a lawyer they're going to charge you like a hundred bucks for a minute or whatever the heck it is and you know mm -hmm. just opening your mouth to them you're going to get billed um what, what what should they be expecting well for basic uh legal advice contract reviews things like that an attorney should be able to craft a reasonable flat fee to cover their time of the review analysis and then a discussion with the client about what their the pros and cons of the agreement. So uh, unless it's something overly complicated that's going to require a lot of negotiation by the attorney, such as if you're trying to negotiate like an actual like recording agreement or something like that with a larger label, uh, that's going to give you like a very lengthy written document that has to go through, then you can expect to be uh, paying an hourly fee to the attorney and providing an upfront uh, retainer agreement. But that's so, on the outside 
of the whole situation. For the most part, a flat fee can be worked out in most situations. What would be and, too much though? Sorry, Corey, I just want to ask. Oh, no, what, go ahead. Like how much is too much? Because people get ripped off sometimes and, and I've seen high fees and not high fees. So what is actually too much in your opinion? I can't really say that. Fair, okay. It's a matter of uh, laws and rules that govern me <laughs> as a lawyer here in Washington state of what I can and can't say. And Fair. that's one of the things I'm just really not about uh, able to discuss. But what I will say is that reasonableness is in the eye of the beholder. Fair. So if you're a smaller band, uh, if you a consultation that uh, maybe is like 40, 45 minutes long, I know personally I charge like $150 for a consultation. And then when it comes down to uh, lesser, then when it comes down to negotiating like an actual like working arrangement with the client yep. then it might change then it's definitely going to change and it would either be a flat fee or based on my hourly rate which is by most standards with a lot of attorneys not that high yeah go ahead go ahead Corey. I, I, primarily because as i said earlier when i uh decided to uh form my own law firm I wanted to help the people who are my friends and in my connected uh, group of relations. So Fair. it's like, I wanna make my uh, ability to help people affordable. Fair, makes sense. So what I was gonna say was, I know like a hundred, $150 an hour, it sounds like a lot and it is a lot of money, but down the road, it's a lot cheaper to have yep. your attorney look everything over at the beginning mm -hmm. and give you advice than it is after the fact when you're buried in legal fees and court costs and everything else. And, you know, you can't make music. You can't push your career because you're spending too much time in court because members are suing each other. Yep. It's a lot cheaper to get a lawyer at the beginning than it is at the end. <laughs> oh, that is like real world words of wisdom. Because yeah, I, I used to work in a law office actually with a team of about 50 lawyers. Okay. So I have seen some disasters. I've seen some horror stories and is a lot cheaper yeah, to get your lawyer I, at the beginning. Definitely, because unfortunately one of the parts of being a lawyer, especially when involved with business and things like that is mm -hmm. you're usually talking to people after they've already gotten into trouble. And yeah. then you're trying to unwind it to the best of your ability or yeah. work some sort of arrangement to just uh, settle it, you know, mm -hmm. and nobody's happy when you have to settle. No. Um, I want to follow up unless Corey has a follow up on Go. that. Go for it. Okay. So uh, my next part of the follow up on this is so I, I, I'm pardon pardon me if this is a dumb question but so if a per person a band is kind of like working internationally let's say should they just hire a lawyer based in a specific country or should they be hiring a lawyer in another country like how does this work like with law they're going to want to hire if the contract is based in a non-us country yeah or a non-canadian country yeah depending where you're located here in north yeah. america uh you're going to want to 
get an attorney or other legal representative knowledgeable in that country's law. Okay. Because uh, me as a Washington State and Illinois lawyer, uh, I don't have the legal training skills or knowledge to be able to interpret a contract that's based on a different country's law. Fair. So let's say it's an American band. Again, I apologize if this is a stupid question, but I, I'm, I'm trying to understand this here. Let's say it's an American band. Let's say they want to sign with, for example, like a Polish label, then they should be hiring someone in Poland, not in the U.S., correct? Uh, for the legal representation and recommendations. For the contract. Yes. They okay. should hire an attorney over there who knows about that country's law and can tell the, and can, uh, provide the legal analysis and recommendations to tell the artist what they're getting into. Interesting. Uh, but you know what? Mm. It doesn't hurt to have, oftentimes people will have like an attorney act as a middleman, especially yeah. in a situation like that. So to answer your question, I guess it could be either or. You can okay. either just hire somebody directly over there if you have the connections to find somebody over there yeah. Or you can hire a U.S. attorney who has those connections to get the parties connected so that okay. the legal advice can be given. Interesting. Corey, did you have a follow-up on that one? Uh, no, not, not on that one, not specifically. <laughs> okay, we'll go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say, so since we've been talking about contracts and everything, what are some red flags that people should look for in contracts um, that you know, on there, because they're going to be the first ones that see it. The band is, it's not going it, to, the lawyer is usually going to come afterwards, but what are some cursory red flags that right away bands should look for and be like, nope. Uh, well, for, uh, well, here's an example, just based on recent experience. Like if you get offered a contract by a company to, uh, to sell your merchandise and it, you want to look for how long the period of the contract is. Anything over a year, you really don't want to even consider on that type of situation. Mm. Just because you're locked, if you don't want to be locked into something longer than you need to, six months is probably going to be too short term for the other party to be agreeable to. But one year should be reasonable and you shouldn't be afraid to, uh, ask for it as opposed to just accepting what's offered yeah so, so that's mm -hmm. one thing on a recording agreement oftentimes the same uh same issues what are you giving up and how long are you giving it up for you have the not everybody especially newer artists have the leverage or capability to negotiate a lot of things with record labels because they're a new artist, you know, but if an up and coming band is really being pursued by multiple labels, you should be able to negotiate things such as what percentage are they getting from your merch sales? What exactly are the parameters of the merch sales? Uh, things like that. It, you just want to basically be aware of what you're giving up and what uh and for how long and if something seems 
weird, there's a good chance it might be weird. Mm-hmm. And you're going to want to talk to somebody about it. Well, just- if, you have, if you have questions, you should get them answered before you sign anything. Because once you sign it, you're locked you're in. Unless yeah. a couple, unless like very few uh, reasons exist that would allow you to get out of the contract and rescind it, you're stuck with it. Mm-hmm. And if you want to release anything, you want to record anything, you're going to have to uh, you're going to have to work with that label that you signed with because oftentimes it these contracts uh, make it so every member of that band who signs it is not able to do anything outside of the label until the contract's been fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So they can't release uh, solo albums. They can't release other projects without the first label getting a cut because they're still under contract for the other project. Yep. Lots, lots of things like that that a band needs to be aware of. And unfortunately, the bigger the label, the bigger the contract and more complicated it's going to be. How can mm-hmm. the band break it if there's if there's like an unfair contract? Like let's say the band signs something for 10 years. I'm being exaggerating, but they sign for 10 years, uh, 80% of the profits, they're starting to take off, they're getting mad. Can they break it at all? Like is there are they screwed? Unless the other side breaches the contract or breaks it by not performing their duties and obligations under the contract, it's really hard unless you file a lawsuit against them, try and get some court order uh, issued saying that some of the contracts are against public policy, therefore they can't stand, or there's been undue pressure applied to the parties before they signed it. And when you have to start making those arguments, the chances of winning are very uh, low. Wow. Because you have a high burden of proving mm-hmm. all this stuff. Because at least here in the US, the principle is you are aware of what you're signing when you sign the contract. And there's no buyer's remorse. Or in that sucks. Buyer's remorse. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Uh, Corey, Sometimes you wanna... in contracts I've seen there at the end, it's like if all parties agree, then yep. they can be released from the contract. But that means you're buying your way out of it. Yeah. And no. if you're taking off, it's going to be expensive. So this yep. goes back to the point of earlier, get the lawyer at the beginning, because it's going to be a lot more expensive at the end. Exactly. Can you argue, Russ, just, just before Corey does her follow-up, can you argue that the fact that the band, like, let's say the band signed something, but they didn't talk to a lawyer. Could it, could you argue that I didn't talk to a lawyer as being a reason to get out? No. no. Okay. 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 Just asking. As long as you have ignorance is no excuse. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Corey, I cut you off. Uh, no, no, no. I was just saying the whole, that's that old saying, ignorance is no excuse. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. That sucks. Okay. When it comes to law, law is brutal and nobody cares. It's whatever's okay. in writing is what is truth. Yeah. Okay. Fine. And there's a great little provision in most contracts that say if one provision is found not to be enforceable, the remainder of the contract is enforceable. Yeah. So the law puts that make sure it sticks. Bam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So they just carved, so the court would carve away a portion of the contract. They but the rest of it stands by the rest of it. Man, mm -hmm. that sucks. So you're like bound to anything you sign, basically, is what you're saying. Yep. Yes. Okay. I don't like Which this. Which is why you don't sign anything. So, In haste, you don't sign anything because you think it's the best you're ever going to do because it's probably not. Um, yeah. yeah, just don't sign anything until you have your own independent person look at it. But, but let me ask you this. Okay, so then I'm going to let Corey take on the question, but I need to know this. So let's say a band member signs a contract. It's a shitty contract, but the rest of the band members are claiming ignorance. Can they get out of the contract in that case? Not if they all signed it. Oh, good point. Be presumed to have read it all. Fair. Okay. And this is a good time for me just to say that I'm talking in generalities. For, uh, for because sure. Because this is all hypotheticals. Yep. Mm -hmm. And there's always exceptions to everything in the law, as Corey probably well knows. Yeah. So, uh, and it might depend on where you live, what state you live, what country you live, because there's always going to be variations. So I, I'm just talking generally based on my experience of having. Of course, of course. Oh yeah, definitely. And I mean, I, I've just seen so many bands get themselves in trouble, and it's really, it's heartbreaking because. <clears throat> I think the thing most people don't realize is the label's not your friend. Nope. The labels aren't your friend. Nope. A lot of the industry people aren't your friend. Yep. They're there to make money and they're going to do it however they need to do it. And they may sit there and say that they love your band and you're going to be the next big thing ever. And at the end of the day, that what they say doesn't matter. What's in writing is what matters. And, yeah. and at the end of the day, uh, you're just a commodity to the mm -hmm. record label. You're something yep. for them to market. And if you make money, awesome. If you don't, you're going to go away. Mm -hmm. You hear of bands that signed contracts with major labels back in the 90s, had very successful albums. And this goes back to a red flag. And they've mm -hmm. never received a dime of royalties because yep. they're still paying off the advance that mm -hmm. was given by the record label. Yep. And they, these were albums that charted really high in those countries' charts. Yep. And they, yeah. And they haven't seen a dime because of the contracts and what they agreed to. One of the biggest examples of, of bad contracts, actually, and one of the most heartbreaking, and it's not a metal or music-related one, but it is an entertainment-related one, is Marilyn Monroe. There was a point in her career where she had signed with a, a production company where she had like $20 to her name or something, like the equivalent of $20 to her name, even though she was in all of these movies and she was super famous and she was everywhere because wow. the production company literally owned her entire career. She got wow. nothing. Wow. And that was when she actually ended up violating her contract by posing nude for a calendar mm. um, because she was broke and she needed to make money she wow. needed rent money and that was the only way she could get it wow That's That's so crazy. be very careful reading your contracts people oh, but yeah. what are some other red flags other than like length of time and who's getting your royalties what else should people look for you, you just want to those are just the major ones that come to my mind right now. Uh, but
but like I say, you want to see, uh, I guess, other provisions. Like if uh, you have to sue them, where do you have to sue them? Mm-hmm. Where? What country? What country? Yeah. What country? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, what country? Like, let's say they sign to a uh, European-based label. Mm-hmm. And the contract says, hey, if you want to sue us, you have to sue us in Berlin. Good point. Then you Good. have to invest in litigation over there. And that's purposely done because one, it's on their home turf. And mm-hmm. two, uh, it's to dissuade you from doing anything about the situation based on the expense that's going to uh, be required to do anything. So generally speaking, would you recommend a band not sign with a label outside their own company or a company country? No, just because that's impractical nowadays mm-hmm. with a lot of the big labels being based in Europe. True. But they do have, a, most of them have a U.S. office at least. Yeah. But it depends on where, what the terms of the contract is. Mm-hmm. So that goes back to being aware of what you're signing. Because let's say uh, you are signing with uh, the U.S.-based subsidiary of the European label, you know, and the main headquarters is somewhere over in Europe. It might be that all the legal enforcement aspects are in the parent company's home country. Because it's really just an alter ego of it here in the U.S., and they don't want to be bound by U.S. litigation. And in a contract, if you sign something like that, you're agreeing to bring suit outside of the U.S. outside of the United States. So, but, so you just need to be aware. But hold up one second here. So, like, let's say, so let's say, band band signs with a label. Mm-hmm. Um, in the United States, for example, and they're also in the United States. So just correct me if I'm wrong, they have to have, they have to sue if they need to sue in whatever state that the label's based in. Is that correct in what, what you were saying? Uh, if you're talking about like a Washington band signing with a Illinois band. Yeah. Or an Illinois yeah. label. Uh, most likely the contract's going to say you have to sue the label in the state where it's uh, headquarters and place of business is. So in that instance, yeah, the Washington label or Washington band would have to sign, not sign, but would have to bring a lawsuit in Illinois. But that's often in the contract itself. It tells you where you have to. Okay, and now two more things I wanna know and I'll let Corey ask again after this, but so when a band's first starting out, should they be doing like, should they be incorporating or not worrying about that type of shit right off the bat? Or what, what do you, what do you- I mean? wouldn't, they don't need to incur the legal expense at that point. Okay. When they're just getting off the ground. And well, this is assuming that these are not like established people who- They're not, let's say they're not. Just the up and comers. Yeah, they're going to, uh, they're going to be considered most likely under the law of, here in the United States, wherever they're living, uh, to be a partnership. Okay. But that's not going to give you the protection that you need if you're just operating as a general partnership because there's nothing in writing and it's just using the standard uh, state laws 
to say what the duties and obligations are, and they're usually not adequate to uh, really protect the individual members. Okay, so, all right, and then what, I don't know if you know anything about this, but are, are there anything tax-wise or anything a band should be thinking about at the beginning, if you're knowledgeable in this area? I'm not a tax attorney. Oh, fair. But unless they're making a ton of money right off the bat, they're probably not going to really have much of any tax implications. Yeah. Any money that they spend on the band, they'd be able to deduct that as a business expense generally okay. off of uh, their personal income taxes. And that's sure. the extent of my tax law. Okay. <laughs> Corey, did you have a follow-up on that? I did not have a follow-up on that one. I have one more then on that. I, that doesn't surprise me. Curtis so, always, he's the Billy Mays of follow-ups. Well, wait, there's more. Well, there is more in this case. So, okay. So when a band's starting out, should they be getting a lawyer first, an accountant first, or what should be their first outside hire in terms of law type people? I'd probably say an accountant. Accountant? Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. What's the reasoning behind that? Just, just to make sure the funds are all in order? Yeah, mm -hmm. because if they start making a, if they start making a good amount of income off of the band through performance or other things, uh, first step is they're going to have to uh, be re they're going to have to be uh, keeping track of that money, keeping track of the income, keeping track of the business expenses, and then filing whatever you know taxes are required on the partnership at that yeah. point. But okay. You're, they're quickly going to want to hire an attorney after they, they get the accountant on board. Because, yeah, once you're at the point where you're hiring an accountant, you're at the point where you need to really start considering hiring a lawyer to get the paperwork and band agreements all hashed out. Cool. And what level would you say a band should be at before they get like a lawyer on retainer type thing? Oh, I don't even know if you need to get an attorney on quote unquote retainer. Oh, as long okay. as you have somebody that you work with, mm -hmm. you're comfortable working with them as the lawyer. Mm -hmm. You just need to have them contact you when work's needed or they have a question. And then mm -hmm. you can work out whatever you charge them. Or, and, or I can say, I, well, I guess... Uh, I have some clients that I have a signed agreement with, but they don't give me a monthly retainer deposit or okay. anything like that. It's just that I'll do the work and invoice them according okay. to the signed agreement. Okay. So you're kind of on call versus you're being paid up front every month, no matter what. Yeah. Cool. And yeah. Cool. Um, what else do we got, Corey? I think we've, I, I've exhausted. I think we've covered a lot of information. There's a ton for people to hear to digest. Yeah. Um, so uh, definitely, definitely a lot in this yeah. short period of time that we have covered. Do, well, thank do, you for inviting me. I appreciate it. This is fun. Oh yeah. No, this is super informative and very, very important. And if people take nothing else from this show, it's don't sign anything without having a lawyer look at it. Don't sign anything, nothing. Doesn't matter who it's coming from. Don't sign it unless somebody who is impartial, but also on your side 
looks at it and tells you whether or not it's a good idea. Exactly. Between I couldn't say it any better because, uh, as you mentioned earlier, Corey, the record label's not going to be your friend and is not going to be looking out for your best interest in a uh, contract situation. Yeah. Somebody who is going to be looking out for your best interest. Mm -hmm. But, okay, one, one final question then. How do you know if you, if you got the right lawyer and who, who's going to be looking out for your best interest? How do you kind of figure that out? If you have friends in the industry or in the local area uh, yeah. who are in bands, who have signed agreements with labels or in recording bands uh, or touring bands, mm -hmm. ask them. Who do you okay. use? Because it all comes down to a client, a potential client's comfort level with the potential attorney. Yeah. You want to one gauge if you're going to be able to work with them. Because if they're a real a-hole and you don't like dealing with a-holes, you know. Mm -hmm. Why are you going to want to hire an attorney like that? I believe that there has to be a good fit between the client and the attorney in order to have a real good working relationship with them. So what you really need to do is ask people you know for their recommendations, because likely there is somebody in the local legal community who helps those bands. And then you're going to want to have a consultation with them and mm -hmm. see if uh, you like them. And if so, talk to them about uh, having them come on board as their attorney. Cool. I think that's all we got today, isn't that, Corey? Yeah, I think that's good for the day. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, Russ. Party on, Corey. <laughs> Party on, Curtis. Party on, Russ. Thank you. Party on, everyone. If you enjoyed this podcast, Please help spread the word by leaving us a five-star review on your platform of choice. You can also join the conversation by following us on any social media and suggesting guests or topics you'd like to learn more about. Thanks for listening to C-Squared.